be with you all today, and I do consider it an honor to be able to speak um, at this platform in pastor's absence, to think that in 1996 there was an Angel Gabriel uh, play that was being played here at Calvary back when they had the red pews before these nice comfy red uh, maroon blue chairs. And I was about a 16-year-old kid sitting up there watching a play down here. And all these years later, at 38 years old, to be standing here and be looking up there, it's only by the grace of God. Amen? But I'd like to share the Word of God with you, and if you could um, join me to the book of Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. We've been in this series called All In. Can somebody say All In? And Pastor Ed's been leading us through this. We got a chance to hear Pastor Aaron as well, and that was a amazing, an amazing sermon that touched our hearts as well. Then last week, we had the privilege of hearing Dr. Mark Rutland uh, speak on the life of David. And I, I think God is speaking through us, through uh, all of these sermons. He's letting us know about how committed we need to be and how our life in Christ is about a true commitment. And I'd like to take it a little further today, and I'd like to read out of Daniel 3, and it says like this, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of God I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into blaze, the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I like how they're still polite, even though they're going against the king's rules. One thing I know about honor is that, you know, honor is given, respect is earned. And they are still honoring the king, even though the king is about to kill him. Says a lot about honor. We should honor whether they do it right or not, because honor is for you. Respect is for others. I'll continue. That's not part of my sermon. 18. But even if, I like this part in verse 18, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you give us. I ask you to use this time to speak into people's lives, whether we are in the midst of people that are curious about you or love you. We are believing, Lord, that this time is a perfect opportunity for us to draw closer to you and for there to be a transformation in our hearts. Your, Lord, use me as your instrument. I am the hammer. You are the hand. And Lord, that today lives may be changed in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 
Can you give a, a, a big victorious uh, 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 applause to God for what God has already done in your life? Amen. Um, a few weeks ago, Pastor Aaron came up and he shared how he's getting ready for a marathon. And I was sitting down saying, I'll preach in a couple of weeks and I probably can't share that I'm getting ready for a marathon because I'm not. Um, it's his hobby, it's Pastor Ed's hobby, but I got other hobbies like watching movies. That's, that's one of my hobbies. Does anybody else have that as a hobby? Does that count as a hobby? I'm not sure. If... But I grew up in the times uh, before there was Siri, before there was Google, that you could just ask Google or ask Siri um, for a drama or for a comedy to look for a movie. There used to be a place called Blockbuster. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, Friday nights in my household, and my dad is here, consisted of a night going to Blockbuster and spending a couple of hours browsing through the aisles for a movie. Our kids will never know the, the, the struggle of spending two hours looking for a movie at a storefront with a blue canopy. But us that are a little older know what I'm talking about, right? You know, I would say, Mom, I'll be back in a couple hours. I'm going to go look for a movie. Nowadays, you go and just search through Netflix or say, Siri, find me a drama, and Siri does that for you. But before all of that, there was Blockbuster, and I, and, and I would go through the horror aisle, and I would go through the comedy aisle, and, and I would spend a couple hours just looking for a good movie to watch. I love movies, and one thing about movies is that I, I, I know the lines in movies. You know, if, you, if you're sitting with me at lunch, I'll quote a movie that quick, because I, it's one of my hobbies. It's one of my... It's one of my hobbies. Uh, um, one of my favorite animations, can I share this with you on a Sunday morning? One of my favorite animation movies is Lion King. Yeah, I got some fans here. And, and the first time I watched Lion King, it was on a VHS, and my favorite line in Lion King is when Mufasa tells Simba, remember who you are. <laughs> who remembers that? Is that a good line? Another one of my favorite movies is, uh, let's see if you remember this line, Adrian! Rocky. Who remembers that line, right? I grew up in a very conservative Pentecostal church, and we weren't, check this out, you, you, may, you may be able to relate to me, maybe you may think my church was crazy, but I wasn't allowed to go to the movies until Titanic came out. Because I convinced my parents that this was a historical movie that I needed to see for my history class. <laughs> and, and I love the movie Titanic, Leonardo DiCaprio. Everybody loves Leonardo. But one of the, the scenes that still bother me to this day is the line when it's at the end of the movie and Rose is on top of this board and Leonardo DiCaprio's nose has frost on it. And, 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 and he tells her, I will never let go. And he begins to sink. And then Rose tells him, come back, come back, come back. And in the middle of the theater, I get upset because I'm like, move over, Rose. Please move over, Rose. You have space on that board for Leonardo. Don't just say, come back, come back. All right, those are movies that we've all 
remembered and scenes that we all in one way or another remember. But when we look at history, we, we see that during adverse and troubling times, people in history said some very powerful things. When we look at people like Winston Churchill during World War II, he said some words that we will never forget. He said, never, 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 never give up. Those are words we will never forget. When we look at people like Martin Luther King, we are reminded of a few words that still have power today. I have a dream. Because during adversity, people were able to change their language and say something powerful. When I look 2,000 years ago, and I look at Mount Calvary, and I see this son of a carpenter nailed to a cross, and in his dying moments, he says the most powerful words as they put a spear through his side. He says the most powerful words that are still impacting us today. He says, it is finished. I wonder how many thank God that he said those last words for your life because in him saying it was finished, a new covenant began, the covenant of grace for you and for me. Somebody give the Lord praise in the house of God for that. The question on this wonderful Sunday is, what will you say during trying times? What will you say when your commitment is about to be compromised? What will come out of your mouth when the heat is on? What will come out of your mouth when you're under great pressure? This is why I consider these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they learned to say the right things when they were under a lot of pressure. The reality about commitment is this, we all agree to a commitment, but what do we do when it doesn't feel good anymore? Do we stay committed after the feeling is gone? True commitment to God requires us to stay in it even though the going gets tough. Stay in it even though it doesn't make sense. Stay in it even though you're sweating on your brow. Stay in it because God called you for such a time as this. If there was a, a Bible story that could go to Hollywood and probably do well, that still hasn't been made today, I, I Googled it, is the three Hebrew boys. Think about it. Poof, poof, poof. Three boys doo, doo, doo. thrown in a furnace. Doo, doo, doo. We will not bow. And then it just comes out through the fire. I mean, is it just me? I don't know. Let's unpack this because I believe these three Hebrew boys have some similarities to you and I. What I love about the story is that they are captive, according to chapter 1 of Daniel, they're taken captive, and the Bible says that they were taken because they were good-looking and because they were very smart. And the Bible says that their language would be changed. They would be educated in the Babylonian language. They would learn the mathematics of Babylon. They would learn the culture of Babylon. But even with all of these changes in their life, one thing I noticed is that they did not lose their identity. I want to speak to some young adults. I would like to speak to some older adults. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to change in your life. He may change your name. He may try to change your language. But don't let him change your conviction in God in your life. 
Come on, somebody. Don't let him change your belief in God in your life because some things are not, cannot be compromised. These three Hebrew boys uh, show us a story uh, uh, of, of serving the king but serving with limits because they were chosen to be officials in Babylon. Not only these three, but Daniel as well. And in being chosen to, to, to serve the king, they would do many different things in serving as officials of that great government of that time. But when it came time to eat the food of the king, they said, uh-uh, we can't eat that. Uh-uh, we can't drink that. And when it came time to a moment of worship, they also said, uh-uh, we can't bow down to that. And that's the posture we should take during troubling times. What are you bowing down to when the pressure is on? What are you giving up on when commitment is being compromised? And today I want to share with you what they said. They said three powerful statements. They said, our God can save us. Our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. Isn't that good? So I'd like to speak about the first thing. God can save us. You know, it's God can save us. We know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. God is able. Let me tell you how, how able God is. God knows every hair on your head. Even the ones under the, the weave. He knows what's under that as well. He knows what's on it as well. Come on, somebody. The pastor, leave, leave it alone. I'm good. The Bible says that he, brought, he breathed stars into existence. In other words, God just went, stars. Read it, it's in the Bible. He went, Milky Way. Woo! Stars, a million, galaxies were created out of God's breath. God is able. God is able. God, God can do it. God is powerful enough to do it in your life. God is able. And, and they knew that God was able, and they said, God can save us. Now, let's, let's back, 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 just rewind the, 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 the VCR for a second, because, because the reason they are now in the presence of the king is because when all the music started to play, everybody, everybody bowed down, but they said, uh-uh. Not us. You know, I, I, I want to say that Shadrach was that kind of guy that's full of faith, knows the Bible, knows verses by memory, that makes you look like you're a weak Christian. You ever have those friends that just quote Bible and you're like, please stop. Stop. You're, stop. You're making me look bad. He's just that guy full of faith that when it's time to go, and come, let's do this. God's with us. God can do this. Right? And I, I believe that Meshach... What was this new Christian that, you know, quotes the Bible incorrectly, you know, uses Bibles, out, the, the word out of context, but is the guy that if, if you get in his face, he'll cut you, right? And then Abednego is, is the more fearful, more doubtful uh, a believer. He's the one that's still trying to figure this whole thing out. The good thing is that they're, they're amongst good company. So when one is weak, the other one is strong. That's why you got to be surrounded by the right people. 
And, and, and what I like about this is because when they are brought to Nebuchadnezzar, they stood their ground. They said, God can save us. And, and, and we need to stand our ground in difficult times. We, we need to be able to believe that God's arm still has not been cut from delivering us. God's arm still has not been cut from saving us because God is able and God can do it. How many say amen to that? So they say God can save us. And the next thing they said is that God will save us. It's good to have God can faith. It's good to have God will faith. Because God is willing. God is willing to save us. In fact, he was willing to save you. It's not that he had to do it. It's because he wanted to do it. He was willing. We serve a willing God. He wants to do what's best for your life. If you want him to. If you allow him to. It's not just that he has the ability to do it. It's that he is willing to do it. Isn't it good to know that our God has good disposition? When you least expect it, he always shows up. <laughs> when you least expect the miracle, all of a sudden... He shows up. When you least expect to be delivered, he always shows up. God is willing. I like what Hebrews 11 tells us about faith. It says, now faith is what we hope for, being sure of what we do not see. We know he can do it, and we know he's willing to do it. You know, when you're going through deep pain, when you're going through deep sorrow, when you feel like you're living in a moment of lack, just remember this, God will supply to you according to all his riches and glory. He will. He will. Tell somebody he will. He will do it. He said he will do it. But out of these statements, my favorite statement is the one I'm going to mention now. I think it's the dopest statement. I like this one because they said God can save us. God will save us, but even if, we will not bow down. Sometimes you need even if faith. Because you know God can do it. You know God will do it. But what do you do? Listen to this. This is very important. What do you do when God doesn't behave the way you expected him to behave? Mm-hmm. I need to say that one more time. What do you do? What is your posture when God doesn't do it the way you expected him to do it? Because they said, even if he does not save us, we will not bow down. In other words, if it takes going through the fire to show you who our God is, put us in. If it takes going through sickness to show, hallelujah, my family who God is, God, have your will. If it takes me, uh, me filing for bankruptcy to, for me to know that you're Jehovah Jireh, Lord, your will be done. Even if I'm still going to worship you. Oh my God. I wish we had some even if people in the house today that are still willing to praise God. Even if I don't get the job, I'm still going to worship you. Even if my husband never comes back, I'm still going to worship you. Even if my son is not serving you, I'm still going to worship you. Even if 
I'm going to give you the glory on a Sunday morning sitting in my comfy chair and I'll stand up even though people get uncomfortable because even if I'm going to worship you because you're a good God. You're a good God. You're a good God. Listen, if God doesn't do anything else in your life, he's already done enough. Sometimes you got to not just praise in advance. Sometimes you got to look back and say, oh, oh yeah, that, oh, that too. He did this too. He did this. Oh, let me, let me get a praise break in the room and give the Lord praise for what he's already done. For what he's already done. I'll praise you for what you already did on the cross of Calvary. I'll praise you because you saved me at 14 years old. I'll thank you for what you already done. Well, God, you don't answer my text. But he heard your cry. He, you may not hear him now, but he heard you once. And he did enough for you then. Even if we will not bow down. This got the king very upset. In fact, the Bible says he, this caused the king to change his mind about them. The king really cared about these guys. They were in his court. They gave him advice. He cared about them. But because they humiliated him in public, because they were the only ones that stood standing when everybody else bowed, a 90-foot statue by 9-foot-wide statue. When the music played, they were the only ones that said, no, nah, not us. The king has to force his hand on the situation. He gets angry, and he makes the furnace seven times hotter. Seven times hotter. I could just imagine when they stood standing up, everybody else around that were also captive from Israel, saying, get down. What are you doing? Get down. And them saying, nope, not us. You may have compromised, but I won't. You may have given up on your faith, but I won't. Get down. They're going to kill you. They're going to do away with you. If it takes them killing me to know who my God is, let it be. Let it be, let it be. Let it be. But now they're standing. Now the, the furnace is seven times hotter. Can you imagine how hot this thing is? And now they're about to be thrown in the fire. And the Bible says something pretty interesting. The Bible says that they took two strong men to get these three young men. Notice that the enemy will always send his strongest soldiers to you, not because you're strong, but because of the potential you have in God's spirit. Hallelujah. I think I do have a Pentecostal church in the house today. See, the enemy will send his greatest, most powerful enemy demons to you, not because of your power, but because of the power living in you. He knows your potential. He knows what you can accomplish. Therefore, he sends his greatest governors and his greatest spirits to come against you because he knows what can happen if God gets a hold of you. He knows what can happen. The Bible says he got his strongest men, and when they tied them up, the Bible says they were tied up. They were tied up and they were thrown in the furnace. Notice they were thrown. Somebody say thrown. But as they were throwing them, these two strong men died 
throwing them in the fire. You see, sometimes what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. Those things that the enemy has used as a strategy to kill you will kill his strategy. And now they're in the fire, thrown in the fire. See, we, we got three Hebrew boys right here standing in the fire, but before they could stand, they would be on the ground, tied up, because they were thrown on the fire. I don't know of anybody that's thrown and lands on their feet. The Bible says they were thrown. If they were thrown, they were on the ground, and they were tied up. So my question is this. If they were on the ground and if they were tied up, how did they get back on their feet and how were they loosened? I think you know the answer to it. It takes a fourth person in the furnace to get you back up and stand you on good ground. It takes a fourth person in the furnace to come in and tie you and tell you, you are free in my spirit to do as you please in my will. It takes a fourth person. His name is God. Sometimes it takes you going through great trials for you to know who God is, comma, and for those around you to know who God is. In other words, your suffering many times is a public exhibition of God's glory. I'll clap on that and I'll praise on that because it's that good. It really is. So I want to share three points with you and, and then you guys can head out to... Golden Corral and chilies. How do I stay committed after the feeling is gone? How do I stay committed after the feeling is gone? Number one, I have to learn how to sit with others. I have to learn how to sit with others because real commitment requires real relationships. My, my grandmother, my mother used to say this quote in Spanish, and I'll say it in Spanish and then say it in English. Dilme con quien tu anda y te diré quien eres. Tell me who you walk with, and I will tell you who you are. The Bible says it another way. Bad company corrupts good character. You see, you need to surround yourself with people that can tell you, you can do it. You can make it. It doesn't matter what we're going to go through. We're going to go through it together. You need to find the right people in your life that will encourage you, that will support you, that will affirm you, and that will remind you of who you serve. I love how these three Hebrew boys, it doesn't mention that they walked alone. From the first time they're mentioned in chapter 1, they are mentioned together. Because there is power in unity. There is power in agreement. You need to find some people that you could surround yourself with that will help, help you to get to what God has already ordained for you. Who are you connected to? Who are you walking with? Growing up here in Orlando, I went to Dr. Phillips High School, and Dr. Phillips was a very diverse school. We had kids from Tangelo Park. We had kids from Carver Shores. We had kids from Windermere. We had kids from Dr. Phillips. You could have a Porsche sitting right next to a raggedy car and right next to the raggedy car, an old BMX bike. It was pretty diverse. But just as diverse as it was financially, it was also diverse racially. Because when it was time for lunch, which has always been my favorite subject in school. <laughs> I knew you would like that. When it came to lunch, the football players would go with the football players. The cheerleaders would go with the cheerleaders. 
The, the, the very smart students would always go with the start, smart students. And I was the kid that was a part, I, I, I was there because of a magnet art program uh, for the performing and visual arts, more visual arts than anything else. Uh, and, and, and I hung out with these kids that were part of a posse. We were, we were a posse. If you know what that is, back then posse was, you know, like my clique, you know, you know, started from the bottom, now we're here kind of thing. Um, and, and my posse was called Bust Your Stuff because we did graffiti. We did a lot of graffiti art. And, and my group consisted of a young Indian guy, it consisted of a young African-American guy, it consisted of one of the football players, and then it consisted of me. We were a diverse group. And what that did for me is that it took me out of my comfort zone to embrace other cultures. It took me out of my comfort zone to embrace other people. And believe it or not, uh, it changed the dynamic in school because people were able to see he walks with him, he walks with her, and that's just not normal. Because the reality is, if you want to grow, you need to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. If you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. You got to always surround yourself with the right people. That's why I encourage you to get and become a part of our connect groups here in the church. No pun intended. I, 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 I encourage you to connect and join a group on a, on a monthly or weekly basis because if you do that, you'll surround yourself with the right people that will help you walk in your faith. Connect group season is about to start. I encourage you to join a serve team and, and, and serve the homeless at Orlando Hope or serve in community in different events that we do because something happens when we serve together when we connect together. I love what one young girl here in our church said when she got her first serve team shirt. She said, she said, I finally feel like I belong somewhere. Because there's power in connection, there's power in unity, there's power, power in agreement. Who are you sitting with? The next thing that calls my attention is that not only are we called to sit with others, we're also called to stand for something. You see, private commitment will give you the courage to make public stands for God. See, them standing publicly was not the first time they stood. Because in chapter 1, verse 8, they stood and they said, we're not going to eat that food. I'm sorry, but we, we're under a Jewish covenant that we cannot eat that type of food. And therefore, we can't drink those kinds of drinks. Therefore, let us fast and if we don't look good after a couple of weeks, then do as you please with us. And the official said, we're going to give it a try, but if this doesn't work, this is my neck and also yours. It just so happens that after a few weeks, they were actually better than the astrologers and than all the other men that Babylon had because they were standing on God's covenant, on God's word. See, they took private stands for God and because they were able to take private stands for God, they were now able to do a public stand for God. Amen? And when I say take a public stand for God, I'm not talking about the weird stuff of picketing and, and none of, mm, no, no, no. I'm talking about public stands for God where they, if they say, hey, can you work a couple of more hours on Sunday? We're going to pay you triple time. You can say, you know what, I, I would love to work on Sunday, but I have a commitment already. What's your commitment? I go to church with my family. What? 
You're going to give up triple time? You're going to give up double time to go to church? Yeah, that's my stand. That's where I stand. And I promise you this, it may not make sense to them, but it always makes sense to God when you put him first on a day like today to come and worship God. Hallelujah. Because God will always bless you for keeping covenant with him. There's power in that. When the music played, they did not bow. Dan, you know, this is, this is key. We have to learn how to take some private stands for God. What are you standing for when everybody else is bowing for? Because God's going to call your attention at one point in your life, and he's going to ask you, what are you going to do when, when the real pressure's on? I love how Daniel, just a few chapters later, took a stand to pray when everybody said, don't pray. I like the seesaw thing because when everybody bowed, the three Hebrew boys stood. And when everybody, then when everybody bowed, Daniel, no, when everybody stood, Daniel prayed. Notice that? When everybody bowed, they stood. When everybody bowed, he stood. You see, because to be out of step with the world is to be in step with God. Yeah, you can praise God for that. See, me in the natural, in the natural, Jonas, in the natural, I cannot dance. Mimi wants me to take salsa classes because I have two left feet. If you put me on the dance floor, I will be all over the place, and it would be embarrassing. All I move is my shoulders because it looks good. You know, everybody's, it looks good when you, all you move is your shoulders, but my feet are not moving. I am out of step with the rest of the dance floor. But guess what I've learned? It's okay to be out of step with the world and be in step with God. God loves for you to be out of step with the world if you're going to be in step with Him. Last one. Got to learn how to walk through anything. Learn how to walk through anything. The Bible says that now, you know, they're thrown in the fire. Somehow they're up. And look what verse 23 says. And they tied... They were tied and thrown, and it fell in the fire furnace. I love how God is a present help in your time of need. Has he been a, a present help in your time of need? Has God shown up, shown up in your even if? Because something calls the attention. It says, it says that he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They're unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the sun of God. So Nebuchadnezzar is, 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 looks in the furnace and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three in the fire? And they, uh, yes, sir. They, yes, we did. We threw three and we lost two. Well, then why do I see four? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. Notice that God will always show up if you're willing to go in. Yeah, now, now, somebody please don't go on Facebook Live and turn on the furnace and do something crazy. That's, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that when the, when the pressure is on in your life, what will you do? When, when, it, when, when, when it looks like it makes sense to leave him or leave her, what will you do? When it makes sense to just file and, and give up on your business, what will you do? Because it's worth having even if faith and going in the fire and walking, hallelujah, falling first because we always fall forward. But allowing God to lift you up, 
to restore you. And then the Bible says that they were walking. If you're willing to walk through your pain, God is willing to bring you out of it. Woo! If you're willing to walk through your tribulation, God is willing to take you out of it. I could just imagine them walking in the fire and nothing's happening. It almost sounds like a fairy tale, but this is the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. They are literally walking through the fire and nothing's burning, nothing's consuming. And I could just imagine what they're saying. Though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I will fear no even. Hallelujah. I could just imagine them quoting Isaiah 43, saying, even though I go through the waters, I will not go under. Even though I go through the rivers, I will not be overtaken. Even if I go through the fire, I will not be consumed. Not one flame will overtake me. I wonder what you will do. Will you cry out and declare the word of God and his promises as you walk out in victory? What God has already said. The Bible says that they pulled them out. And when they pulled them out, not one thread on their turban, not one thread on their, on their clothes was burnt. Listen, they didn't even smell like smoke. I feel this, I feel this, I feel this. Let me enjoy, let me enjoy, let me enjoy for just a couple of seconds. I won't be up here for several weeks. <laughs> when God gets done with you, people won't even, you won't even look like what you went through. Woo! When God gets finished with you, you will not look like the fire you were in. People will look like you, I look at you and be like, where did she come from? Where did he come from? He looks nothing like his situation. I'm reminded of a, several years ago, my wife, we found out she had a tumor behind her right eye, Mimi. We went to the doctor and they started talking about, we're going to have to remove it, but there's a possibility that she may lose her eye. And all of that, a few years later, we found out that the benign tumor had put enough pressure on her eye for her to lose eyesight on her right eye. So she's blind from her right eye. And there's been people that have spoken over her life saying, you go, God's going to bring that back. God's going to bring your eyesight back. And we stand on that promise. But here's where we stand. Even if you never bring it back, you've done more than enough for her. I had a pastor friend of mine in Tampa that said, Pastor Manny, she may have lost her eyesight, but she, God has given her godly vision. Because sometimes God allows you to lose something to get something much better. Even if faith. I'll tell you what I think kept these guys together. Babylon changed their name to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that, weren't, that wasn't their names. Their real names were, Shadrach's real name was Hananiah. And Hananiah means the Lord is gracious. Meshach's name was Mishael. And his name means, who is like God? Abednego's real name was Azariah, which means the Lord helps. And I could just imagine them in the fire or even standing while everybody else bowed and remembering their name. Shadrach remembering the Lord is gracious. The Lord has been gracious to me. 
And because he's been gracious to me, even if I'm thrown in the fire, he's already done enough. I could just imagine Meshach saying, who is like my God? God, who is like you? There's nobody like you. Even Nebuchadnezzar is not like you. You are the king of kings and lord of lords. I could just imagine Abednego saying, the Lord helps. And Lord, if you've helped me thus far, I know you're going to help me through this one too. I go back to what I said of my first movie or the first movie I mentioned, Lion King. Mufasa tells Simba, remember who you are. There's a little girl that serves where her parents at. Orlando Hope. Every Sunday we serve the homeless. In fact, we got some of, of our friends here right now. And there's this little girl named Chloe, and Chloe went to the Killarney cleanup. And, and I, I always like to talk to little Chloe. She's four years old. And I, I tell Chloe, Chloe, you look so pretty today. She goes, Pastor Manny, I know. <laughs> Chloe, that dress looks nice on you today. <laughs> Pastor Manny, I know. Chloe, you're God's girl. Pastor Manny, I know. And then I tell Chloe, Chloe, how do you know all these things? She says, Pastor Manny, because my daddy tells me. My daddy tells me so. She knows her identity. She's affirmed in her identity because her father, Conan, constantly tells her, I love you. You're mine. You're beautiful. Can I tell you today that even though you've never been told that in this earthly mission, your heavenly father tells you and believes in you consistently that you are loved, that you are his, that he chose you, that he wants you. And therefore, when you go through the fire, you can say, I know I'm going through it, but I know God will take me out of it because he loves me, because he wants me, because he chose me. I close with this verse, 1 Peter 5.10 has become my theme verse in this season. It says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. But after you've suffered a little while, in this same chapter, in verse 30, the Bible says that these three Hebrew boys, and we often forget about the rest of the story. We stay at the furnace. But if you read on to the rest of the chapter, it says that in verse 30, it says, and these three boys, these three me young men were promoted to a higher level in the government of Babylon. Why? Because of even if faith. What you're going through right now is a test. It is only a test but it's also the avenue for promotion God will give you more when you can handle now so at this moment as we close I believe that there's some God can faith here there's, I believe that there's some God will faith here but I believe there's a lot of people in this room right now that are struggling with the even if faith. To stay committed even if we lose the house. To stay committed even if the business doesn't work out. To, even if 
our children are not serving you con consistently right now. God, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to love you no matter what. Thank you for joining us on Calvary Connect. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for our Sunday morning worship experience each Sunday at 1030 a.m. We are located right off I-4 at 1199 Clay Street. To connect more with Calvary, visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events, ministry opportunities, plus share how we can be praying for you. Thanks again for watching and God bless.